The 278th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Anthony here by himself here on a Thanksgiving evening, breaking down Carolina's 83 281 loss to the Villanova Wildcats, so we won't waste any time. We'll get right into it. Uh, This is a game that Carolina fought very hard in. A lot of physicality uh, in this game between them and the Wildcats, but uh, simply too much for Carolina in this one. Uh, Big part of this game, the amount of fouls. Carolina, 30 fouls called against them to Villanova's 22. Uh, The 30 fouls were the most called on a Tar Heel team since 2015 in a game that they played against Louisville where they had 33 fouls called against them. And the real big part of this for Carolina was that three players ended up fouling out in the game. That made a huge difference for Carolina down the stretch. Uh, The three players that fouled out, Harrison Ingram, uh, probably the biggest one he fouls out with about four minutes left in the second half. He was leading the team in scoring at the time with 20 points. Uh, Was really Carolina's most efficient offensive player the entire day. Uh, Had had another good day from deep, so that one stung. Jalen Withers, uh, not even a minute later, ends up fouling out. So Carolina's two most versatile defenders end up fouling out within a minute of each other. So that left them without those guys for the final eight minutes that they played in this game. Uh, you know, Carolina goes to overtime, and in the overtime period, uh, Elliot Cadeau fouls out, closing out on a uh, three-point shot by uh, one of the Villanova uh, stretch uh, forwards, and uh, it just it was not Carolina's night, uh, especially with the officiating. Uh, just a rough overall performance, I thought, from the officials, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but definitely played a factor in this one for Carolina Villanova with 36 free throw attempts to Carolina's 23. That's certainly 
not part of the recipe for success. Uh, Eric Dixon, a uh, guy that Carolina just had no answers for the entire uh, afternoon, 34 points for him, including 20 in the first half. That's a career high. Justin Moore only scored 16 points, so not nearly the type of performance that Dixon had, but all 16 of those points came in either the second half or overtime. So Carolina did a great job of taking him out of the game early, but couldn't find a way to stop him when it mattered most down the stretch. Uh, the struggles for Carolina on the offensive end uh, really centered around their two biggest players. Uh, you know, you had Armando Baycott, eight points in this game, four of ten from the field. So he came in to this tournament averaging over 22 points per game and shooting 61% from the field. While they've been here, he's shot under 40% in both games so far. And uh, he, he's you know combined for just 18 points in the first two games. R.J. Davis, he ends up leading the Tar Heels in scoring, which may sound good, 23 points for him. But the problem is the efficiency at which he shot the ball. Just 8 of 22, 2 of 8 from beyond the arc. Um, it just wasn't a great day for him shooting the basketball. He couldn't hit shots late when they needed. He had a solid look at the end of regulation uh, where he you know, could have knocked down a shot that probably uh, or that would have ended the game right there at the buzzer. Um, it, it, but it, it just wasn't falling for him. He did hit a couple of tough shots. You need to give him some credit there. Uh, but he also had, you know, in the overtime period, he has the shot out in transition where he just gets out of control, throws it up. Uh, that basically ends Carolina's hopes uh, because it, it, you know, allowed Villanova to get the rebound. And that was where it was pretty much two possessions the rest of the way. Carolina with a chance late. Um, on free throws by uh, Cormac Ryan, uh, but he misses the, uh, the, uh, the, the intentional miss. He misses the rim uh, when he tries to intentionally miss, and uh, it doesn't end up giving Carolina a shot at the end. To get the ball, they fall uh, in the end 83-81. to 81. The concerning part, Cormac Ryan suffers uh, an ankle injury late in the game, uh, and this one, you know, it looked pretty serious. Uh, you know, he was down on the floor for a while, probably about a minute and a half, two minutes. He then uh, limps over to the sidelines but needed help from uh, multiple guys. So uh, who knows what this ultimately looks like. Uh, this was addressed by Hubert Davis in the postgame presser, and he basically just said, look, He's walking around in the locker room right now, uh, but it's one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see. I can't definitively say whether or not he'll play tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how Carolina handles that because, yeah, it feels like tomorrow is important for Carolina, but remember, they play on Wednesday of next week. They play Tennessee in the ACC-SEC Challenge that's going to be a tough one that Carolina could really use Cormac Ryan for. So we'll see how Carolina handles that uh, it, it, if they actually think about using him uh, tomorrow against whoever uh, it ends up being, whether it's Memphis or Arkansas. I'll keep you up to date on that one as well, like I did last night. Uh, Arkansas currently right now down 69-63 to 
with five minutes and 30 seconds to go in that game. Uh, so Arkansas looking like they could possibly be uh, the team that Carolina has to face tomorrow in the consolation game. Let's take a look at the box score, and it's a frustrating one because for Carolina, a lot of things they did well in this game that would allow you to believe that Carolina would have won this game if you're just looking at the stats. Uh, Carolina shoots 43% from the field to Villanova's 38%. Uh, they shoot 38% behind the arc, 9 of 24, so really solid from uh, deep again for Carolina in this one, sort of building off of yesterday. Villanova, just 23%, a team that came in uh, shooting more three-pointers than uh, two-pointers. That was not the case at all today, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that coming up here. Um, but, you know, a team that, you know, came in shooting the ball at a very high rate from beyond the arc. Carolina holds them to just 23% from out there. The free throws, this was a huge difference in the game. 32 uh, to th uh, of 36 for Villanova at the foul line. Carolina 16 of 23. Turnovers, Carolina commits 13. Villanova commits just 9. And Villanova turned uh, those... 13 turnovers into 16 points. Carolina able to turn Villanova's nine turnovers into just eight points. Rebounds. Carolina out-rebounds Villanova in this one, 43-38. to 38. Uh, Second chance points. Villanova, though, cashing in on those uh, offensive rebounds where they had 11, uh, turning that into 14 points. Carolina only able to turn their 13 offensive rebounds into 11 points. Uh, not a great day off the bench for Carolina, just 10 points for them there. Villanova, 12 points off their bench. Uh, points in the paint, both teams even at 34 points, uh, which is kind of shocking considering it seemed like just about every important bucket for Villanova came in the paint. Uh, fast break points, Carolina 6, Villanova None blocks. Carolina with four in this game to Villanova's one. Steals in favor of Villanova, four to three. An assist. Carolina assisted on 13 of their 28 made baskets. Just five assists on 23 made baskets for Villanova in this one. Uh, teams, uh, uh, the tie, uh, times this game was tied 19 different times. The game was tied. Lead changes, uh, we saw 23 in this game. So a very back-and-forth affair between these two sides. Uh, and Carolina comes up just short in the end. The quote of the game comes from head coach Hubert Davis. He was asked first thing in his press conference about the fouls. It is what it is. You know, we, you know, I felt like that every guy that played stepped up and made plays to help us put us in a position to, to possibly win. So fouls are a part of every game, and that's just a part of the game. <laughs> Well, while Coach Davis says that it doesn't have much of an effect on the game, I mean, look, this this definitely had an effect on this game. When you have uh, a foul differential of eight, and more importantly, 
uh, free throw attempts differing by 13. It really does play a big effect on this one. And look, this kind of brings us to our stat of the game, and it is free throws. And you can look at it a few different ways. You know, Villanova, as I mentioned, 32 of 36 from the foul line. That's 88.9%. Uh, so not only did they get there, but they knocked down their foul shots as well. For Carolina... They got to the foul line 23 times, but were only able to knock down 16 of them. So 69.6%. So really, yes, there was a big differential. That's something that has to be talked about with this game. It is incredibly frustrating from a Tar Heel perspective. But at the same time, when you're getting to the foul line, you have to make your free throw attempts. Carolina have been doing such a great job of getting there and making their foul shots. And look, they didn't get there as much as they probably wanted to in this game. But at the same time, you've got to be efficient when you're there, especially in a game that's this close. If Carolina makes two more free throws, this game's going to a second overtime. If they make three more, this game is over, and this it doesn't matter. Even if they made one more, uh, it could have been the difference in regulation and Carolina wins. So a lot of different ways that you can look at it in this game. Uh, frustrating on all fronts. Uh, let's get into our takeaways from the game, or my takeaways from the game. Sorry, guys, still you know used to uh, two of us being here, uh, so a lot of the cadence is still built in. Uh, and my first takeaway from the game is that the refs definitely deserve some criticism for this game. Uh, I, I know that you know we've said multiple times on this podcast, we've said it a lot on the football podcast that we are not people that really look at refs that often. That's something that you have to be able to navigate. And look, it's not the biggest reason that Carolina lost this game, but it's definitely a factor that has to be talked about because, I, I mean, the refs in, in this game called, a, called the game much different on one end than they called it on the other end. Um, I thought, you know, against a team like Villanova that was extremely physical, uh, they would kind of let things go. And for Villanova on the defensive end of the floor, it did seem like they let a lot go. Carolina uh, had to fight through a lot of contact. But really, I, I mean, I, I didn't think it was all that bad. That wasn't the area that I was bothered. It was on the other end of the floor where Carolina was trying to defend a very physical team in Villanova that, that really just tried to body you and push off of you, frankly, uh, on the offensive end to create separation. They did it multiple times throughout the game, and it didn't really make sense to me some of the foul calls that Carolina was picking up where they were calling just about every bump that they possibly could. Um, don't understand how you're really supposed to defend that, especially uh, when a team is, is trying to uh, draw the contact. They're the ones that are initiating most of the contact. Not really sure what guys could have done differently. I thought there, you know, for example, I thought there were a couple of foul calls on Harrison Ingram and Jalen Withers, both guys who fouled out in this game, uh, that I did not think were fouls. And I think played a big role in Carolina um, having to be without them down the stretch. So uh, definitely frustrated in that respect. Definitely think that uh, this is something that Carolina... Um, you know, there, there's not much they can do about it, but it's something that they can, you know, legit. They, they have a legitimate gripe about in this game. Uh, the other thing, you know, just talking about the physicality of Villanova overall, 
you know, yeah, the refs definitely deserve some criticism, but the Tar Heels themselves just did not handle it well. And I think, you know, there, there were a couple of strategic things that I would have liked to see Carolina do more. We've talked so much, we've talked about it a lot at the end of the Roy Williams era, that Carolina was a team that liked to double a lot. They almost held too much at times. And in this game, you know, look, I was the guy that was saying coming in, you had to make sure that you took away the three-point line. I get it, but at a certain time when they are starting to really just bully you over and over again in these one-on-one matchups uh, to the basket, you have to start helping. There were so many times that I thought Carolina could have had a guy come over and help um, and try to really trap the post. Uh, Yeah, it could have potentially created a good look from the outside, but Villanova was not shooting great from the outside. Part of it was that Carolina was doing a good job defending it, but the other part of it was they just were not in a rhythm from deep. So I would have liked to see Carolina at least do something to try to slow down uh, the 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 back-to-the-basket game that Villanova was just doing so well in this game from the word go. Uh, And it never seemed like it clicked in Carolina's mind to try to double more often. It could have been something that uh, the coaching staff was bringing up, but if it's not, then that's something that the coaching staff has to do a better job of moving forward against teams that will definitely look at this and try to recreate this recipe against them. Um, I think that's that's you know something that Carolina will probably look back and regret. But you know, at the same time, I do think. Uh, This is something that can be used as sort of a learning moment for this group. Because remember that Carolina has another team that's going to be extremely physical coming up uh, in in next week that that I mentioned earlier. Tennessee's an extremely physical team. You saw it last year in the NCAA tournament. They lost some guys from that group, but they're just as physical this year. It's shown up early on, showed up in Maui, so Carolina has got to be ready for that. Hopefully, this is one that they can use as a learning experience and that will get them prepared for the Volunteers next Wednesday. Uh, Big concern for Carolina in this game outside of the injury to Cormac Ryan is the struggles that continue for Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. Uh, You know, Armando in this game rebounded the ball very well, but you've got a guy that came in averaging the points that he did coming, you know, heading to this tournament. First three games of the year, you averaged 22.3 points per game, and yet somehow you've gotten here, and against better competition, he started to struggle. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's time to panic with him, um, but it's definitely one of those things that makes you wonder was what we saw from him in the first uh, three games of the season really more about the opponents, or is this just a bad weekend or week, I should say, for Armando Baycott? And look, I'm not going to panic just yet. Armando's a guy that's been around for a while now uh, in college basketball. We all know, we all hear the jokes. Um, he's a, he's a veteran. He knows that there are going to be time uh, ups and downs. And look, I'd rather him have his downs now uh, during here in November than when Carolina gets into conference play and, and eventually into the conference and NCAA tournament. So, 
I'm definitely not panicking at this point with him, but I, I do think it's it's something that is noteworthy that those performances early in the season came against lesser opponents on Carolina's schedule. As for R.J. Davis, you know, the efficiency, I feel like this is kind of what we went through early with him last year. And once he hit his stride, uh, it, it was hard to get him out of it. The only thing that really did was the finger injury uh, that, that we talked about so much took him off track last season and really prevented him from potentially carrying Carolina to the NCAA tournament. I mean, look, he was 8-22 in this game. He hit some tough shots, which was the thing that uh, I think he is encouraging to see, but the, the, there were some moments where he just looked a little bit out of control, which we've seen from him at times throughout his career, um, pr primarily that play in overtime where uh, if he slows himself down a little bit and uh, really just takes his time, he probably ends up with a layup that would have cut the lead to one. So um, I, I think there are some things that, you know, he's still taking some tough shots that I don't think are necessary for him. Um, still, you, you could tell that some of those tendencies from a year ago are still there. Um, but it's one of those things that I, I think he's one of the leaders on the team. You want him to take shots, uh, maybe not at that high of a level. And I think especially once you saw Harrison Ingram foul out of the game, you, you saw him feel like he had to take over the game because Carolina lost their top scorer. In you know just about every other game this year, you're not going to have to worry about that. So if you have a guy that's playing the way that Harrison Ingram is, you'd imagine that guy will be there down the stretch and not put it all on RJ, which could definitely help. So I'm not panicking just yet, um, but I, I do think that it is uh, something that you have to keep an eye on with these guys here as uh, Carolina's schedule gets more difficult after a... Uh, a, a an easier four-game start uh, to the season than they'll face uh, just about any other at any other point uh, throughout the year. Uh, one area that I was really encouraged from Carolina was the rebounding. I came in, I told you coming into uh, this tournament, I was a little bit concerned with how Carolina was rebounding. They got out-rebounded by UC Riverside. Uh, they nearly lost the rebounding battle to Radford. And then in the first half uh, against Northern Iowa, they get out-rebounded by six. But this was a good performance for Carolina on the glass. Uh, I told you earlier, reading through the box score, Carolina out-rebounds them 43-38. to And look, very physical team for Villanova, but that didn't show up as much on the glass because Carolina was able to match their physicality there. You had a lot of guys that had strong rebounding days. Armando Baycott, look, not great on the offensive end by any stretch, but he did have 18 rebounds in this game. Uh, Jalen Withers, seven rebounds in his first start. So didn't do a whole lot on the offensive end. Probably going to have some people debating whether or not he should be this in the starting lineup or if they should roll with their third new starting lineup, which they may have to do regardless, depending on what happens with Cormac Ryan. But you saw a good day from him. Five rebounds from R.J. Davis. So a lot of different guys that were pitching in all over for Carolina, which is what you want to see. Uh, and, and I think for them to do it against a team in Villanova uh, that prides themselves on their rebounding numbers as well, hold them to below their season average despite going into overtime against them, I think you really have to be encouraged by what you saw from Carolina there. The other real positive for Carolina in this game was Harrison Ingram 
and Cormac Ryan, who have seemed to find their stride here, uh, as Jimmy Dyke said multiple times throughout the day, on the island. Um, this was a really strong performance from Harrison Ingram offensively. Uh, you know, didn't have a great rebounding day himself, uh, just two rebounds, but 20 points for him, six of eight from the field, four of five from deep, four of six at the foul line. Uh, incredibly efficient. Would have liked to see him, you know, knock down maybe one or two more of those foul shots. Could have made a difference in this game. But, you know, from the field, uh, this is the most one of the most efficient performances that we've seen from a Carolina player in a while. Um, and for him to have to exit the game, you could tell how much that really affected Carolina. If they would have had him down the stretch with the way that he was shooting, uh, I don't know if uh, Villanova... Uh, is re is able to prevent Carolina from finding a way to overpower them late because I really do think that you know R.J. Davis would have still been pretty aggressive down the stretch, but you would have had some open shots or some relatively open shots for a guy in Ingram who was really just feeling it. And Cormac Ryan, the man who hit the biggest shot of the game for Carolina, that sent it to overtime. Uh, he had a really efficient day for himself as well. His most efficient day of his season, 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field. Uh, just 2 of 6 from behind the arc, but still uh, good to see at least a couple go through uh, th through for him from downtown. Uh, 2 of 3 uh, from the foul line for him. But really, uh, you just saw that this, this is a guy that is capable of making big shots for Carolina, I thought he played well down the stretch and into overtime. Um, and you're just hoping that the, the injury for him is not something that's serious because uh, now he's finally hitting his stride uh, along with Ingram. And you would hope that these two guys can help navigate you through uh, what could potentially be, you know, another down game for Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. It could certainly be possible. Really more Armando Baycott than R.J. Davis at this point. Um, but, you know, I, I think those guys, you know, them, them starting to play better on the offensive end, I mean, it's going to make Carolina a really tough team to stop scoring-wise. Um, I, I think, you know, you would like to see a little bit more contribution from the bench. Uh, that was a pretty silent group for the majority of the day. But, I mean, if you're going to have your starters, if you could have uh, four guys in the starting lineup that are threats to score at least 15 just about every night, uh, which is what we thought Carolina was going to be capable of with these guys that they brought in from the transfer portal, it's going to make Carolina... Um, a, a team that uh, could rank up near the top of the country uh, in terms of uh, offensive efficiency and points per game when it's all said and done. My last takeaway from this game for Carolina is that it is not time to panic. There are already people that are saying this is uh, you know, a concerning loss for Carolina. This is one that they should have won. They can't win close games, yada, yada, yada. Look, this is not a game that I look at and say, man, Carolina really let one get away. Man, Carolina played horribly in this game. I mean, look, Armando Baycott didn't play great on the offensive end, and you still had a chance to win the game uh, at the very end. R.J. Davis wasn't that efficient either. You're seeing other guys that are stepping up for this group. So there's a lot to feel positive about. Um, and yes, I, again, as I mentioned earlier, I really think that you know most of the time, we're not going to look at this, but the refereeing in this game 
was definitely something that played a factor. They called the game differently on the defensive end of the floor for Carolina than they did on the offensive end of the floor. Um, so I, I think this is one of those games when you have that type of disparity at the foul line, uh, it's hard to overcome that. Um, you know, I'd like to see Carolina be a little bit more disciplined. They fouled a lot in the game against Northern Iowa, and maybe this is just a thing that's going on. Maybe that's how they're calling these games at the Battle for Atlantis. Um, it wasn't an issue for Carolina to begin the season. Uh, they were one of the lowest in the entire country in terms of free throw attempts allowed coming into this tournament, but uh, that's definitely something that you should watch going forward for Carolina, but because of how good of a job they did at not allowing teams to get to the free throw line uh, early in the season, I'm not super concerned uh, for Carolina in this uh, in that category moving forward. So I think, you know, this is a tough loss. You hate that it had to come against Villanova, especially since this was the first matchup since 2016. Um, but it's it's one that you can learn a lot from. It's one that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can use to sort of prepare you a little bit for the game uh, Wednesday in the Smith Center against Tennessee. And, you know, hopefully it's one that Carolina learns from. If they can find a way to... Uh, you know, get a huge win tomorrow against either Memphis or Arkansas. That'd be their biggest win of the season, no doubt. And you could still leave the Bahamas feeling pretty confident about where Carolina is at. If they lose that game tomorrow, that's when we can start having a conversation about what this Carolina team really is. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Hey guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Read the recap of the game uh, that I wrote up there. Uh, goes a little more in depth on uh, all of this stuff that we just talked about. Um, you know, what, what Carolina, you know, my, I, I tell you a little bit at the end about why I think Carolina is still in a pretty good spot uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, to potentially come out of the Bahamas with a successful weekend. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, we'll have the preview up there for you uh, either late night tonight or early tomorrow. More than likely that'll be uh, tomorrow because I still do have to record the preview edition of the podcast, uh, whether it's Memphis or Arkansas as of right now. Uh, Memphis at the foul line up 78-74 with 28 seconds to go. So it looks like it probably will be Arkansas uh, that Carolina will be facing a team that uh, is not off to the greatest start to the season. Uh, they did get upset at home by UNC Greensboro right before coming to Atlantis. Nearly got beat last night by Stanford. Uh, but they, they did fight really hard in this game against Memphis. So Carolina is, is in uh, for a battle regardless. We'll have you covered on that front. And then, of course, I will have the recap and the podcast uh, recap of that game tomorrow for you guys to round out our battle for Atlanta's coverage. So make sure you're keeping an eye on the website for all of that. Meanwhile, the football side of things, huge game for Carolina, not only for this season, but for the direction of the program uh, as they take on NC State in Raleigh tomorrow night. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, it is Saturday night. They do not take them on, them on tomorrow night. Luckily, it gives us a little bit of time uh, to still get everything out on the website. But, uh, you know, 8 o'clock kick, ACC Network, uh, that's the way that Carolina is going to finish up their season. They faded a little bit down the stretch. They've lost three of four to 
to FBS opponents, but have a chance to really right the ship. I'll have you covered on all of that. A preview of that will go up later on tomorrow night uh, or early on Saturday, and then uh, we will have you covered uh, regardless of the outcome uh, with the recap of the game, and then I'll tell you uh, where the bowl projections are for Carolina uh, once we get into next week. So plenty of stuff coming up on the football side of things, even with with the regular season coming to an end. It's all at one place, HeelToughBlog.com. Also, make sure you check out the football podcast. The Heel Tough Blog podcast covers all things Tar Heel football, and you can find that the same places that you can find this podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss an edition of either podcast. So, that wraps it up uh, once again for this edition of the podcast. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!